This is it, folks. TFCon is next weekend. The world's largest fan-run Transformers convention runs October 26th through the 28th at the Crown Plaza Chicago O'Hare Hotel and Conference Center. I will be there all weekend covering the festivities, and on Sunday, don't miss dissecting 1986's The Transformers The Movie one minute at a time. A panel hosted by the Autopod Decepticast and... I will be a guest host for the game show segments. Be there and be square. More info at tfcon.com and at autopoddecepticast.com. And now, enjoy this week's podcast. Mike Cybert Radio is an independent podcast. The views and opinions expressed are those of the host and the guests only and do not necessarily reflect those of any broadcasters that any of us either have been, am now, or will be affiliated with. Enjoy the show! Welcome back to Mike Seibert Radio. I am your host. If you'd like to get a hold of me, I'm at Mike Seibert Radio. Like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter and Instagram, and you're always welcome to write into the mailbag, Radio at gmail.com. And the spelling on that is S-E-I-B-E-R-T. Just like it sounds. Uh, this is the podcast radio show where I talk about stuff and things that are on my mind every week. It's a pop culture show from Seattle featuring interviews, independent artists, and occasionally more. And um, I'll, I'll be honest with you, I um, I was going to do something different this week. Um, but doing the type of show that I do, I, I can't help but be influenced by the news and events in my world and around me. Um, so I'm going to talk about Paul Allen. He, uh, he passed away earlier this week. And, uh, then a few days ago, I saw that the inventor's daughter, uh, written by good friend of the show, Lucia Fasano is being featured to promote the, uh, uh, all we ever wanted graphic novel anthology. And, and the theme of that story uh, really kind of ties into the headspace I've been in this week. Um, uh, plus, I do have a couple shout outs and I want to talk about TFCon a little bit. Uh, but I, I'm going to kind of flip the format around and do all of that stuff at, uh, at the end of the show. Um, so, um, as you've probably heard by now, uh, Paul Allen, who is the co-founder of Microsoft, creator of Vulcan Inc., uh, passed away very suddenly from a non-Hodgkin's lymphoma on October 15th. Um, and I have some thoughts I'd like to share, uh, but first, I'd, I'd like to set the table uh, with this clip I found on Facebook uh, from Eric Johnson from Como TV4, uh, the local ABC affiliate here in Seattle. He changed Seattle changed the world. He saved the Seahawks, was a philanthropist with few equals, played rock guitar, had the biggest yacht in the world, was one of the richest people in the world. And yet, he was a shy, humble, unassuming man who made the world a better place quietly, gently. You're 53 years old, just had a birthday, right? Yes. And um, never been married. Is that something that you see um, 
a family and a wife in your future? Uh, it's certainly something, uh, you know, I, I'd like to have a family, um, but uh, we'll see. Paul Gardner Allen was born in 1953. He met a friend at Lakeside School, a kid who was two years younger. His name was Bill Gates, and the two of them shared a passion for technology and computers. He scored a perfect 1600 on his SATs and went to Washington State University. If you really believe in, in your idea. After two years, he dropped out to begin a career as a programmer. And then in 1975, he and Bill Gates co-founded Microsoft, a company that would change the shape of the future of the world. It would amass for him a personal wealth of over $20 billion. He eventually left Microsoft and started a company called Vulcan, and he set about reshaping the city of Seattle. Before he was finished, South Lake Union would be transformed into a hotbed of growth and change. To be part of that, be patient, to see all those things happen over a period of time and do something good for the city, um, you know, that's great. So it's patience that you say, is that that's your virtue? Sometimes, some things, especially in real estate uh, development or sports franchises, you know, you, you have to be patient and uh, uh, hopefully one day your ship comes out. He bought the Portland Trailblazers 30 years ago, and in 1996, the Seattle Seahawks were as good as gone. The trucks were packed, and they were headed for Los Angeles. If you vote yes, Paul Allen stepped in, bought the team in the 12th hour, and eventually guided them to a Super Bowl championship. He lived life the way so many of us would imagine ourselves living if we were incredibly wealthy. He put together a rock band, put out a CD, and played guitar. Let the experience begin! He built the Experience Music Project as a temple of rock and roll. He saved the Cinerama Theater, where he'd watched Star Wars as a boy, and he turned it into a state-of-the-art moviegoer's dream. The goal here is, is to try to recapture some of that same feeling uh, of going to a theater uh, and seeing a movie as an event. Uh, and also to try to do some innovative things. He studied artificial intelligence. He sent crews to the bottom of the ocean to pull up sunken ships from the past. He gave more than $2 billion away in his lifetime and quite literally changed the world as we know it. Paul Allen was 65 years old when he lost his battle with non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. He dreamed big and lived large. His imagination knew no boundaries. How can we ever adequately thank... Mr. Paul Allen, what a life. Uh, that from uh, Eric Johnson's Facebook page. And if you'd like to watch the video, um, I've got a link in the show notes and I've shared it on Mike Seibert Radio Facebook. Um, uh, but the most heartbreaking part of that clip for me was actually that interview from 2006 with Kathy Gertzen. Uh, she was a longtime Como news anchor um, and she herself uh, passed away back in 2012 of a brain tumor and is still uh, greatly missed here in the uh, uh, Seattle news community. Uh, Paul Allen tweeted back on October 1st, uh, quote, uh, some personal news. Recently, I learned the non-Hodgkin's lymphoma I battled back in 2009 has returned. I've begun treatment and my doctors are optimistic that I will see a good result. Appreciate the support I've received and count on it as I fight this challenge. And just barely two weeks later, um, um, that was it. 
And uh, um, a couple of things I want to expand on uh, from that from that video. Um, uh, it mentioned the Experience Music Project, the uh, the EMP. It started off as uh, uh, kind of a, a rock and roll museum, you know, where uh, there's there's a extensive collection of uh, vintage uh, Jimi Hendrix artifacts, uh, lots of guitars, lots of uh, clothes and outfits and other rarities. Um, also, a lot of uh, other stuff from the local music scene there's a lot of nirvana stuff uh you know from from when they were starting off as well um and it also included a sci-fi museum now the the science fiction museum as part of the mp started off uh, relatively modest you know there there were there were you know a handful of really cool artifacts like there was you know like a, a vintage dalek from doctor who a, a variety of lightsabers a darth vader costume oh yeah and the uh <laughs> original captain's chair from Star Trek, uh, Captain Kirk's actual chair. Um, and so, but as time went on, the, uh, the EMP kind of, uh, I don't, I don't know, reorganized, uh, uh, re reset to where basically like the sci-fi museum was expanded to include, uh, an equal amount of, uh, artifacts and items uh, from uh, horror and genre, um, you know, so like, you know, like Jason's hockey mask, Frederick's glove, you know, a variety of chainsaws and other other stuff from those spooky, scary movies. And um, it, it eventually uh, very recently um, uh, was rechristened the uh, Mopop, the the Museum of Pop Culture, and so you know all of the rock and roll artifacts and stuff were uh, are still there, and and all the sci fi stuff is still there, but there's there's just uh, more of it. Um, and that, uh, that, that really kind of spoke to what Paul Allen was, uh, kind of, kind of about. It was, uh, you know, he, he was actively involved in the collecting, uh, and, and even the displaying of, you know, these, these items, these artifacts as memorabilia, um, uh, you know, and just wanted to make sure that, you know, uh, these items were preserved and wanted to share them. Um, but I think also he just kind of wanted to own it. You know, it's like, I, I think it's just, you know, it's like, yeah, I own Captain Kirk's chair. Yes. You're welcome to see it. Please come see it and share my, share in my collection. I mean, cause I mean, that's, you know, uh, somebody that's really into collecting, you know, whether it's like, you know, toys or comic books or whatever you, you want to, you know, you want to show off your collection. I mean, you know, I'm in a couple few different uh, Transformers groups on Facebook and, and yeah, all it is, is us just, you know, posting pictures of, you know, like our toy finds and uh, lots, lots of trips to Walmart in that group, by the way. But, but no, it's like, you want to share your collection. And that was uh, one of the things that was, uh, that Paul Allen was all about, but with uh, the Mopop, you know, it ultimately kind of became a home for uh, traveling exhibitions, like, you know, stuff you would see at the Smithsonian or, you know, other uh, major metropolitan uh, museums like the Star Trek 50th anniversary exhibition or the uh, Star Wars costumes exhibit that was going around, uh, history of video games. Uh, currently, and it's uh, been there for a couple months now, they have the, uh, I, I 
I don't remember what the exhibit is called, but basically it's the uh, Marvel Universe. You know, there's a there's a lot of uh, vintage comics, uh, um, iconic pages, uh, costumes from the movies, all kinds of props. And and again, um, uh, memorabilia, things like that. It's it's a really, really cool exhibit. So if you find yourself in uh, in Seattle um, and need something to do, definitely uh, check out the Mopop. I, w- I w- you know, I, I I may be biased because I, I'm a huge nerd, but um, obviously, if if you have a couple hours and you're in Seattle, check out the Pike Place Market because you know there's nothing more Seattle than that. Um, but if you have a couple more hours. Uh, go to the Mopop because it's it, it, it's just um, it's an incredible interactive museum experience that not a whole lot of cities have. Um, you know, I, I remember a few years ago there was a traveling uh, um, exhibit for ACDC, you know, and again, lots of like, you know, uh, uh, things that, you know, from from the guy's personal collection and, and, you know, rare artifacts and things like that, that you just don't see. And it was, it was just, uh, uh, it was just incredible. And, you know, they have that new, uh, uh, brand new Chris Cornell statue, uh, that was just recently unveiled, um, outside the, the Mopop as well. So it's, a uh, it, it's a special place for, for nerds in the, in the Seattle area. You know, they've hosted, uh, uh, movie screenings. Like I know, um, a friend of the show, Batman in Seattle, you know, uh, appeared in full Michael Keaton costume to, uh, uh, you know, host and be at a screening of Batman Returns. Um, uh, lots of cool events there. Um, uh, but that wasn't all. I mean, like, you know, uh, uh, there was also the Flying Heritage and Combat Armor Museum up in uh, Everett, where, you know, it's all, you know, vintage World War II tanks and fighter planes and just all kinds of all kinds of cool stuff uh, from the war era that has been, you know, meticulously restored. And it's the same thing. It's all on display uh, for you to uh, uh, check out and enjoy. Um, and uh, the thing I wanted to talk about next, um, which I think is probably the the place that is most important to me in terms of uh, what Paul Allen contributed to uh, to Seattle here is uh, and and that's the the Cinerama. Um, you know, as you know, I'm I'm a huge movie nerd, and I've said on the show uh, many times before that the Cinerama is uh, my favorite movie theater, um, and. Um, a lot of that comes from what Paul Allen uh, did with it. Basically, in the uh, late 90s, early 2000s, it was, you know, very uh, dilapidated. Um, I think they, they may have even been running uh, second run films at that point. I, I, I don't remember. It was a long time ago. But basically, uh, Paul Allen bought it, restored it. And now it is one of the uh, state of the art. Uh, theater houses uh, here in town, uh, second only to probably like, you know, the the original IMAX rig they've got over at the uh, uh, Pacific Science Center. Um, I mean, they it's I mean, I, I, 
I, I could spend an entire podcast talking about everything that the Cinerama is and does, like, you know, all of the different formats that they uh, could present uh, films in, you know, from, you know, 35 millimeter to 70 millimeter to, you know, 4K laser projection and, you know, 3D and um, uh, up to and including um, original uh, quote unquote Cinerama Cinemascope. Uh, type things where like you actually need three projections and a curved screen to actually exhibit like uh, how the how the West was won and a uh, and a couple other uh, Cinerama movies of which they can do. There's there's like a curved Cinerama screen behind uh, the main screen that they can roll up for special exhibitions and you know uh, you know I I am not even touching on the uh, film festivals like uh, this this last summer uh, people in Seattle were spoiled because they had like you know i mean they're they're showing you know regular summer releases so you know you got to see like the infinity war and you know all of all of the summer blockbusters but uh basically they also found time to rant, run a uh 70 millimeter uh film festival a you know uh sound and visual a uh, film festival where it, it featured movies that you know had um uh you know like that that the sound design uh and soundtracks and and music and and sound design were as critical to the to the film as as you know the movie itself um but anyway as as I said I could do an entire show um about that but um it also features a a variety of rotating uh a rotating exhibit of costumes um you know i i always joke at stuff that paul allen uh you know just uh didn't want to put in the sci-fi museum so he just kind of held it down at the cinerama for a while but you know it's usually like you know uh at least a half dozen uh, vintage costumes, you know, from like Star Wars, Star Trek, Alien, and you know, and and all kinds of uh, vintage uh, sci-fi. Like when they were running uh, Blade Runner twenty forty nine, you know, they they had a um, quite an extensive uh, collection of uh, original costumes from uh, the original Blade Runner. Uh, but you get the idea. It's it, it's my favorite movie theater for for a variety of reasons. Here's why I'm mentioning this. Um, so. Uh, to get to work, I get off the freeway and I, I drive through downtown Seattle and I drive down Fourth uh, Avenue. And on Fourth Avenue at Fourth and Lenora is the Cinerama, and I pass by it every single day I go to work. Um, I could go different directions, but I choose to go this way. Uh, you know, like there's an impressive mural on the sides, and um, I I just like looking at it and you know uh when i come uh in the early morning you know obviously all the lights are off and the marquee is turned off and that's fine too uh when it, when i work in the afternoon all the lights are on and you know i i can see what uh what times to not watch venom <laughs> are on uh but the uh uh the tuesday after Paul Allen passed, uh, the marquee was lit up, um, and it was with a graphic uh, featuring a portrait of Paul Allen with a uh, uh, with the quote: "As long as we work together with both urgency and determination, there are no limits to what we can achieve." And I, it just it just hit me like you know I could feel like my throat tightening and. 
I mean, I've never met this guy. I don't know this man, but um, it was just I, it, it was his place. And, you know, seeing them, you know, do that um, was I, I, I don't know. It, it just it, it hit me in the feels. Um, but um, I uh, I also saw Star Wars at the Cinerama, much like Paul Allen did as a boy. Um, I, I've seen every Star Wars movie, actually, uh, from the special editions of the original trilogy in the late 90s um, all the way through The Last Jedi. Uh, didn't happen to see Solo there, but that's a, that's a different story uh, for a different day. And that was, uh, um, and I think I've talked about this on the show before, but that, I mean, that, that, that was like at a, that was a tradition that was important to me. And, you know, uh, yeah, it was kind of a selfish tradition. Also, it's like, this is my thing. I like doing it, but kind of now retroactively, I kind of, um, feel that a little bit of, uh, connection and connectivity, uh, to Paul Allen's experience. Um, I've, uh, again, I, I just, I, I, it, it, it's hard for me to explain logically, but I just I just have such an affection and an affinity uh, for the Cinerama. So it. Uh, um, uh, but yeah, I mean, I mean, Paul Allen, he was he was a he was a multifaceted dude. And um, interestingly enough, um, you know, I think Eric touched on this in the in the video in the clip, but he was um, he he was uh, the the insanely rich, uh, vastly wealthy guy that you could kind of live vicariously through. Um, you know, he was, um, you know, he was a huge nerd. He was a huge geek. And I, I kind of make those distinctions because, like, for example, I I consider myself to be a geek, but not necessarily to be a nerd. And to me, the distinction between the two is raw intelligence. And... I don't got a whole lot of that. I, I don't consider myself to be um, especially smart, but you know, uh, uh, Paul Allen, on the other hand, he was, you know, he, he was brilliant, uh, changed the world uh, along with, uh, with Bill Gates, but he also watched movies, you know, uh, played with model planes and tanks, uh, collected memorabilia and stuff. And it's, it, it's just, I, I I just found something so endearing that, you know, it's like, OK, well, I played with this stuff as a kid. But now instead of building model airplanes, I'll just buy the actual airplanes, uh, you know, all these, uh, you know, uh, again, vintage World War Two uh, airplanes and buy them and have them restored and display them in a museum for all to enjoy. It's like, I like Star Trek. I've always wanted to have Captain Kirk's chair. I'm going to buy it. Well, now that I have it, I'm going to put it in a museum and have it there for other people to enjoy. And, um, and I don't know. I just, I, it, it, it's funny. And I, uh, um, I, I think, that somebody like uh, like Paul Allen uh, just uh, it reminds me of like the the uh, billionaires uh, in fiction, like, you know, uh, like a like a Tony Stark or a Bruce Wayne. And really, you know, anybody if anybody was going to build themselves an Iron Man suit for real, it was probably going to be a Paul Allen, um, uh, somebody that would build themselves a Batcave 
or a Batmobile or a Batwing or a Batcopter with a shark repellent bat spray. It, it was going to be Paul Allen. So, uh, but he was, you know, again, as, as, uh, as we saw and we know he he was you know kind of a solitary dude he he never married he never had kids um he's he survived by by a sister um but yeah never really found uh the time um or opportunity to be a family guy and i i wonder if some of that comes from him just being that introverted uh, a nerd person, that that geek person, that the you know, despite his vast wealth and endless intelligence, that you know, maybe he was socially awkward. Um, I, I've I've heard that uh, from folks I know, but um, certainly not enough to to confirm that you know maybe he was you know a little uh, um, eccentric. Uh, which, you know, really shouldn't surprise anybody, you know, given like, I don't know, like look at somebody like Howard Hughes, you know, incredibly eccentric. And I would imagine that that, you know, Paul Allen was was much the same way. Um, But, yeah, I mean, I just I I think he's a better role model for geeks and nerds than say what's being presented on in the media, like say like the big bang theory or things like that, because, uh, I don't know. It's just, uh, and again, maybe, maybe I'm over idolizing at this point, but again, I just, I, I just, I, I've always found, uh, even, even before now, as I'm essentially eulogizing, uh, the man that doesn't need it from some, uh, uh, goofy podcaster, but, uh, you know, I've, I, I've just really kind of seen him as that role model, uh, type of person. And it, it, he's into the stuff I like, you know, uh, uh, movies and science fiction and uh, and Seahawks football, you know. And again, it's 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 that weird uh, combination of likes and interests. So it's you know it's very stereotypical to be like, oh well, of course he's a nerd, so he collects all these uh you know sci-fi memorabilia. But but yeah, but he's buying up sports teams. And he went to every Portland Trailblazers game he could. I uh, I saw something on the news where um, I don't remember what day it was, but basically in his seat that he always sat at, uh, they uh, they left um, a cap and a single rose um, uh, in his memory, and that the Trailblazers throughout the season will have a um, a patch depicting a single rose, you know, in, uh, in remembrance and, you know, um, uh, the Seattle Seahawks have a bye week this week. Um, and then they have a road game. So they're, they're, they're not going to be back home at, uh, uh, CenturyLink field for, uh, probably until like, like the beginning of November. Um, so, uh, I, I I'm very interested to see what the Seahawks organization does. I would imagine it would be something quite um, elaborate um, in uh, in in keeping with uh, with that tribute. And um, I, I I'm I'm probably going to roll a tear at at, uh, at that time. 
Um, but speaking about his uh, ownership of the Seahawks, I had uh, heard recently that there were uh, some meetings, uh, the fall meetings for the NFL owners, uh, completely unrelated. These were these were scheduled and were happening uh, regardless. It wasn't like reactionary to uh, Paul Allen's uh, uh, sudden death, but um, basically uh, Roger Goodell, the uh, NFL commissioner, said that um, there there won't be any decision made um, about the Seahawks ownership in the near future that, you know, it's kind of like a time for mourning and that um, that will be dealt with in due course. Um, but he also indicated that the Seahawks would not be leaving Seattle. Now, uh, the NFL has been a little better to the city of Seattle than, say, the NBA, where, um, where uh, you know, I, I don't want to get into it, but basically, like, the uh, Seattle Supersonics were, were taken away on the, on the NBA commissioner's uh, watch and there may or may not have been some collusion. Your uh, your conspiracy theory uh, might vary, um, but also with uh, with that with uh, uh, Paul Allen's ownership of the NFL, I learned that um, every NFL owner must have a contingency ownership plan. Um, or or a uh, succession plan, sorry, um, a succession plan on file with the league um, for uh, circumstances uh, such as this. Because, again, he, he's not married. He doesn't have any kids. Um, I, I would imagine that ownership of most everything would flow to his sister, but I, I don't know. Um, but there is some kind of plan there, so we'll, uh, uh, we will see... Uh, what happens in the meantime? Now, I uh, I I brought all this up um, again as as I mentioned earlier. I I wasn't really intending to you know go this in depth. I you know who knows I I, I might might or might not have mentioned it, but I I, I kind of wanted to uh, you know kind of share a little more um as uh, as the show uh this podcast kind of took shape uh because uh, um a couple things uh, uh obviously this you know uh, the passing of Paul Allen but but what really kind of crystallized it into what I wanted to talk about topic wise uh, was a uh, um, kind of the the convergence, maybe coincidental, maybe not, um, of uh, of of a few other things. Uh, one um, was uh, my uh, sister in law's husband uh, passed away a couple weeks ago, and his um, his uh, uh, funeral service uh, was uh, the other day. It was uh, it was uh, the Wednesday. Um, after Paul Allen had passed, so I've I, I've had uh, mortality uh, on my mind, and um, it just it just kind of really got me thinking about legacy and how we want to be remembered, and even. Um, you know, even a lot of like, you know, uh, things going on with my vanity, like, you know, like, uh, for example, there was, uh, uh, during, uh, during this funeral service, there was a, a video presentation with, uh, some, uh, various old photos and I found myself watching it, um, uh, thinking, uh, you know, as it kind of, you know, was, was washing over me, I, I was thinking, it's like, well, what would I want? 
what would my wife want in in these uh, types of situations? And and Lucky and I have been very open in terms of like what our what we want our final wishes to be because we've we've been to too many of these where. Uh, you know, like final arrangements aren't discussed or written down or documented in any kind of way. Um, so let me let me uh, let me pause and put a put a pin in my thought for for a quick second. And I want to share. All right, so this is um, uh, Uncle Mike, your Uncle Mike, talking to you. Um, if you have a significant other or family and or family probably discuss with them what your final wishes are like you know do you want to be buried do you want to be cremated and if you have any kind of estate of any kind i don't care if you uh just own a car or if you have like vehicles and a home or if you just have like a bunch of damn comic books and a and a robust uh transformers collection and a bunch of star wars figures Probably give some thought and maybe document something what you would like done with your stuff. Um, uh, that's something that I've given serious consideration to. Um, so, um, and and write a will, will ya? Um, I, I have been amazed by the amount of people that I've encountered that don't have anything documented. Uh, you know, if if you're married, sure, it seems like it would be pretty self-explanatory. Things slide over to your spouse and and vice versa or whatever. But like, what if you've got kids? You know, what what if you've got kids from uh, I don't know uh, different marriages or you know if there's like an adoption situation or a Brady Bunch type of situation? Um, you gotta you gotta give some kind of consideration to that and make sure that something is written down. Because, uh, um, you know, tomorrow is promised to nobody. And um, and yeah, anyway, I'm going to climb off my soapbox. But yeah, um, uh, write your will uh, and figure out what you want to do with your stuff. And um, uh, you probably don't need to be as vain as I am with regards to I mean, like I've I've given serious consideration to like what music I, I would like played at my memorial service how morbid is that but i i don't know if that's just ego or vanity or or whatever uh, and i i i choose to look at it as uh consideration meaning like i don't want uh lucky i don't want my wife to be in a situation like well which song should i play you know uh what if i choose wrong i i know how freaking particular Mike is and how how picky and finicky he can be uh um so you know we've uh, we've had those conversations so just um anyway I just I just wanted to share a little bit of advice and just it it uh, and you know um earlier this year you know I uh, uh we lost my uh my uncle's brother and you know still kind of reeling from that and um the thing that sucks about getting older is that um, death is an inevitability that you face 
more and more. Um, I am finding again now that you know I've I've crossed that threshold. I'm over forty. I'm officially 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 an adult now, and I just uh, yeah I I just I just keep finding myself faced with my mortality at every turn, and it it kind of sucks. Um, I don't want to live forever. Um, I know I won't live forever, but I, uh, um, yeah, just, uh, it, it, it's tough when you have to, uh, face legacy and, uh, give consideration to, uh, what you leave behind. You know, obviously, uh, not all of us are Paul Allen, but, I would imagine that each and every one of us, each and every one of you has made your mark on the world in some way. Um, For me, it's it's, you know, what what I'm sharing with you, you know, it's like I would like that, like, you know, when when a uh, very polite uh, a memorial officiant person goes up to the podium, you know, I, it would be great if she could say, you know what, um, you know, Mike, Mike was a, uh, you know, like a, a radio guy, a broadcaster, a podcaster, and, you know, um, liked to talk to people. <laughs> Not that he had a bunch of fans or anything like that, but no, that, that he enjoyed connecting with people uh through his art which you know uh is 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 talking into a microphone and pressing buttons um and and that's okay i mean that i i i like that actually so um but anyway i i i dwelled on that a little more than i think i was uh um anticipating uh, the other thing that i wanted to uh talk about that really kind of kind of ties all these threads together is a story i read from an upcoming graphic novel anthology from a wave blue world called all we ever wanted stories of a better world now this book might sound familiar i talked about it pretty extensively during their kickstarter campaign a couple months ago even interviewed one of the editors of the book uh but now after the kickstarter was successfully funded the book is now available for pre-order and the publisher is doing some promotion and publicity for it um the particular story I'm talking about is titled The Inventor's Daughter, uh, written by good friend of the show Lucia Fasano and illustrated by Tess Fowler. Um, I saw last Thursday uh, that the story was featured in full in Paste magazine. Uh, you can read the entire story. It's six pages, um, along with a really nice write-up for the book in general. Uh, kind of explains what it is and and a lot of other great stuff. It's a, it's a great write-up. Um, and and, and I do remember a few months ago when Lucia was uh, a guest on the show the last time uh, talking about her story in the Where We Live anthology, uh, which uh, which was her first comics work um, and illustrated by Tess Fowler as well. Um, and she told me at the time what she was working on next. And um, actually, you you know what? I um, um, I actually have a clip from that interview, uh, so you can actually hear Lucia tell you about the book in her own words, um, without me trying to stumble through it. Uh, back during episode one sixty two of Mike Cybert Radio. 
Let's talk about your upcoming comics work. I want to talk about All We Ever Wanted. And unlike uh, where we live, where I've got the book in my hand, I know next to nothing about this. So um, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm just going to turn the floor over to you and you know, maybe talk about what the book is and how you're excited about it and, and how folks can uh, uh, help fund that Kickstarter. I'm so excited. And uh, you can actually, um, uh, yeah, it's on Kickstarter right now. Um, it's called All We Ever Wanted, Stories of a Better World. Um, but you can even go to awbwkickstarter.com and it'll go just right to it. Um, it's this um, really cool new sci-fi anthology that is trying to be, you know, hopeful and talk about utopias rather than dystopias. Um, so it doesn't mean that it's necessarily a happy book, but it is more like San Junipero episode of Black Mirror than it is, um, you know, one of the episodes of Black Mirror where everything is horrible and mm -hmm. terrible in the world. And, so, you know, um, yeah, le so less, really like more, more Star Trek, less Mad Max, basically. Exactly. Yeah, that's their pitch for it. And it's from A Wave Blue World, um, which is an indie publisher that um, founded by Tyler and Wendy Chin Tanner, um, who are also editors on the book. Um, so uh, it's this totally indie graphic novel that you can get on, in on the ground floor of um, that uh, Tess brought me in to work on, um, where you're having stories of, you know, um, what if it's a utopia where it's this sort of like primal, peaceful nation, but then something goes wrong or what is that? You know, um, <laughs> so all these different, uh, different settings of like what authors had in mind when they thought of a utopia and what could go wrong in a utopia or what could, you know, go right in a utopia. And um, so uh, it's definitely going to be um, a type of sci-fi that we're really not seeing a lot right now in movies and comics everything mm -hmm. is very despairing right now mm -hmm. um so um i uh so we're still making the comic right now i'm still working with tess mm -hmm. um she's gonna illustrate it and i think it's just gonna have a lot of really cool futuristic perspectives on um on sci-fi and um i'm writing a six-page story for it as well uh, that's totally fictional compared to uh, my other story. Right, right. Okay. Uh, <laughs> and um, so I was really excited because I love sci-fi and um, it's always been a dream of mine to write more sci-fi stories. And um, I was raised in a very sci-fi household. Right. So um, I was very excited. And um, my story is called The Inventor's Daughter, or at least that's the title right now. Oh, um, which is kind of my sort of Ray Bradbury-esque title. Um, it's also a line in Beauty and the Beast, so that's but that wasn't intentional. Gotcha. Uh, that's what they call Belle, but that's not connected. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, she also shared with me, as we closed out the interview, a hint of what her story would be about. I'll just say, um, I just saw Ocean's 8. And that was very exciting, especially because the story, my story in the All We Ever Wanted sci-fi anthology is a sci-fi heist. Oh, that's so, awesome. 
so I'm very excited and just think sci-fi heist. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, and that'll be out soon. So. Awesome. And check out Ocean's 8. Anyone listening, it was very fun. <laughs> and I actually did end up seeing Ocean's 8 and I I liked it okay. It was a uh, wasn't bad. Um but uh but more than a space heist, uh the inventor's daughter is also a uh deeper uh reflective work uh similar to her first story. Uh Lucia wrote a a really moving passage on the creation of the story up on her Patreon. Uh there's a there's a link in the show notes uh to that as well uh but instead of reading that i'll i'll read to you part of a post uh that she wrote on uh facebook and twitter uh when she saw that her story was being featured to promote the book and i think it most thoroughly explains uh, what her story means, aside from what we've already said, uh, quote, it's a it's a story about the ownership we feel over our idols, about losing someone who is beloved to many, about owning your grief, about losing control over people you love. Oh, and there's a talking cat. <laughs> um, uh, check it out and share. Uh, the book is out December 12th, and the diamond order code is OCT181514 if you want to be uh, super exact about it when you tell your local comic shop uh, that you want a copy of All We Ever Wanted, Stories of a Better World. Um, it's, uh, it's really a wonderful story, and Lucia and Tess should be very proud. And... Um, um, man, I I just happened to read it at a time where I was wrestling with all of those feelings uh, that she uh, mentioned in the post that I just read. And it's a. Uh, it's given me more to think about as I uh, as I mourn and uh, process my grief. <laughs> All right, uh, go shake that all off. And uh, before I get out of here, um, I want to talk a little TFCon, as this will be the last episode I record before I fly out next Friday. Um, so let's close things out with some shout outs. Shout it, shout it, shout it out Well, thanks again to Colin Douglas, founder and director of TFCon, for taking the time to talk to me last week about next weekend's uh, TFCon USA in Chicago. Uh, that was a lot of fun. I uh, I could talk to that guy for hours, but uh, our time uh, unfortunately was limited. I, I think he was doing a number of other interviews for other outlets as well. Um, uh, but I also wanted to give a huge shout out to APDC fan Mike Andrews. Uh, we'll scream for pizza because it's October and we're doing uh, fun Halloween names uh, on Twitter. Um, usually he he'll, he'll write for pizza, but uh, uh, but anyway, I, I wanted to uh, give him a shout out for asking me to bring up uh, the new Transformers trading card game during the interview. Um, and yeah, there there will be a whole room dedicated to free play all weekend, and I know a lot of folks are excited about that. And um, and I actually wanted to. Uh, Update uh, a couple few things uh, related to TFCon uh, since that interview has since dropped because it's you know it's a, it's a week old at this point. Um, 
Uh, but uh, some of those third-party exclusive uh, Transformers toys have since been announced. Uh, that's in the exclusives tab of uh, TFCon.com. And <laughs> I, I really can't tell you a lot about them, except that they're exclusive to TFCon, and they are very uh, third-party I, I have no idea what they're supposed to be. I mean, I, uh, I, I could read to you the write-ups, uh, but it sounds just like a lot of word salad to me and might come across as just a bunch of gibberish um, if, I, if I say it all to you. I mean, like, that's, that's one of my weird pet peeves with uh, 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 trying to get into uh, some Transformers podcasts. Like, you know, they'll, they'll refer to masterpiece figures by their number only like oh they must have had a bunch of mp10s lying around <laughs> i have no idea what that is um or they'll talk about these third-party figures you know just by their companies or their names and and anyway just even reading this official write-up i don't know what it means but <laughs> um uh and and no offense attended towards uh third-party collectors it's it's just not a world that i know and i i just feel like i would do it a disservice but uh uh but these figures are very detailed they're uh very colorful and they are uh very very cool um also though uh there has been a last minute guest announcement uh, TFCon is happy to announce that Arlene Bannis will be a guest at the 2018 convention in Chicago, known to Transformers fans as the voice of Carly Witwicky in Transformers Generation 1. Ms. Bannis will be appearing all weekend, meeting with attendees. Arlene Bannis is presented by Robot Kingdom. Um, and I, uh, I, I also want to address uh, some confusion I heard about following... Uh, my interview with Colin uh, regarding the uh, Friday night programming at uh, at TFCon at the at the Chicago uh, Crown Plaza Hotel and and specifically what people will have access to with which ticket that they uh, that they buy. Um, uh, first of all, uh, the dealer room will not be open to the public on Friday at all. It's not, it's not open. Uh, there, there will be a customizing class happening on Friday, uh, that was separately ticketed that has since sold out. So I'm not going to bother talking about it though. I would imagine people that are, that are, uh, doing a, a custom paint job to make Bob the, uh, uh, Sunstreaker's Insecticon, uh, pet from the, uh, IDW books, uh, uh, I, I think some of those are going to look really rad, but um, you can't get in on it now, so I'm not going to dwell. Um, also, I want to let you know that that registration starts at 5 p.m. at the hotel concourse, um, and uh, that was probably one of my biggest takeaways from the interview I did with Colin is that you'll need to register to get access to the convention floor on Saturday. So like if you have like a confirmation email or uh, like, like that's why I've got, I, it basically looks like a concert ticket. It's a confirmation email with a barcode on it and some other stuff on it that does not get you onto the show floor. You have to register, redeem your code and presumably get a badge or, or some other uh, type of credentials. Again, this is my very first TFCon before. So this, this is, all new and exciting so um hopefully we will learn together <laughs> um 
Uh, so if uh, if you've got the time Friday night, depending upon your travel plans, when you get in, um, I would recommend getting registered and get your credentials as soon as you can. Um, and I think that will make um, your Saturday a lot easier. Um, if you bought a weekend pass at the $50 level, you will have access after you've registered I, I think I've beat that uh, that drum loud and hard enough. Uh, uh, but you'll you'll get access to the room where the Transformers Trading Guard game will be played. Uh, you'll also be able to participate in the opening ceremonies and the Friday night after party in the visibility bar. But more importantly, and this is what people were asking me about, you will have access to the screening of Five Faces of Darkness with commentary from Flint Dilly, the uh, uh, opening. Uh, five-part episode of season three of the Transformers TV show, which picks up immediately after the events of Transformers the movie. Uh, Your regular weekend pass does not give you access to the exclusives on Friday night. And while you do get access to the dealer room and Artist Alley two hours earlier than general admission, uh, you do not get any line privileges. That's what your $100 premium weekend pass gets you. Um, uh, first crack at buying the exclusives Friday night and front of the line for early admission on Saturday morning. Hopefully that that makes a little more sense. And again, um, a couple folks asked me about that uh, after uh, my interview with uh, Colin dropped last week and 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 folks uh, uh, were just a little confused on some of those things. And I was as well, so I uh, hopefully I've kind of uh, um, uh, untied that knot a little bit uh, for us because uh, uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, and and before I do get out of here, I got to tell you, I um I I've seen some of the material that the guys from the Autopod Decepticast have been working on for their panel. And it is it's just stunning. Um, uh, Ryan has done a whole bunch of original art that's really breathtaking. And everything is just really coming together into something that I think will be really quite special and that uh, um, all those guys, uh, Aaron, Ryan and Caleb, have worked so hard. And I I think uh, they've got something to be really, really proud of. Uh, So while you are at TFCon Chicago next weekend, again, that's October 26th through the 28th at the Crown Plaza Chicago O'Hare Hotel and Conference Center uh, right by the airport there, don't miss dissecting 1986's The Transformers the Movie one minute at a time at 3 p.m. on Sunday in the Agabus Room. It's the only panel room at TFCon, so it should be pretty easy to find. Uh, I will be there as well, hosting the game show segments, but this is really their gig. It's really their show, and I'm just glad to be able to play in the sandbox with them. Um, And if that's not enough elevator shenanigans with uh, with the APDC, uh, be on the lookout for our Saturday night TFCon hot takes. Uh, that will be episode number 181 of Mike Seibert Radio. Um, and dropping uh, sometime Sunday will be episode number 83 of Autopod Decepticast, where I join Aaron, Ryan, and Caleb for a minute of the movie credits. Uh, so we kind of uh, complete the crossover podcast loop. You'll get, you know, uh, in addition to seeing 
seeing us at TFCon uh, live at the panel on Sunday, you'll also get one episode of each of our podcasts where it's uh, it is just all APDC all the time, and and that's a lot. Um, either we'll all be sick of each other. Um, or you'll be sick of us together by the time this is all over. Um, but it, but it's going to be a great hang and I'm really looking forward to it all. And I hope you are as well. I've already kind of networked with a couple other folks. So I know, uh, in addition to those guys that, you know, I've uh, gotten to know over the past year, uh, there's, um, uh, some other fans, uh, you know, like uh, the aforementioned uh, Mike Andrews, uh, um, as well as a couple others, and even some podcasters as well. I think uh, um, I think my buddy Aaron might uh, be able to get me an in with the uh, uh, you know the uh, the awesome guys from the Transmissions podcast. I'd love to uh, meet them and chat with them for a minute. But but anyway, it's it's all happening in Chicago next weekend. Uh, be there and be square. And that will do it for this week's episode. Thank you so much for listening. I appreciate it, as always. And if you'd like to listen to my past episodes, including all of my college radio shows, subscribe on SoundCloud, Google Podcasts, the Stitcher Radio app, Apple Podcasts, and on iTunes or wherever else you download your podcasts. Uh, Like, share, rate, and review the show wherever you find it. And if you would like to leave a review on iTunes, five stars, please. I will read your review and give you a shout-out on the air. And if you're an independent artist and would like to be a guest on the show, let me know and I'll get you on the schedule. Same goes if you're interested in being a guest co-host on the show. Um, I like making friends. Uh, Like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter and Instagram, all of those at MikeSybertRadio, and write into the mailbag, MikeSybertRadio at gmail.com. And again, a reminder, the spelling on that is S-E-I-B-E-R-T, exactly the way it sounds, and no, I have nothing to do with Sabertron. Uh, that's a completely different website and and no relation there. Uh, my name is Mike. This has been Mike Seibert Radio. I will see you at TFCon Chicago. And until next time, make good choices. Make good choices.